The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. This episode is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Get headphones, earbuds, and accessories from TweakedAudio.com. Just enter the discount code CAFCOMICS, that's all one word at the checkout. You'll get 33% off your entire order, free worldwide shipping, and a limited lifetime warranty on everything you buy. That's TweakedAudio.com. And now... Time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Steven Brown. And C2E2's over. Uh, We actually timed our podcast... (laughs) Fairly well, where last week we said we're going to C2E2. We recorded that two and weeks we ago. And we did. We did go to C2E2, John. <laughs> we're men of our we word. We did it. <laughs> we did the thing we planned yes. to do. Uh, but we, uh, yeah, we both did go. Uh, we we ran into each other quickly to the point where this morning you said, did I see you there? Yeah. Uh, C2E2 is weird now. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. It's, well, it's like I don't have a booth there. And so it's less uh, exhausting of a weekend, but somehow I remember less of what happens. So it's difficult. So it's more of a blur. Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a blur. And it was very recently. It was only last weekend, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, we uh, um, we saw things. We walked around with Ken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken's a good friend of ours. We've been trying to get him on the podcast for years and years. Yeah. It's one of those guys. <laughs> the invitation will always be open, but I uh, I don't ever expect we'll be able to well, twist his arm he's to get him on. Of, oh, I've, I've had a few people that it took a few years, but he's he's one of those people that he's funny, he uh, knows a lot, he adds to the conversation, uh, and then you're... Ha- you're always having this great conversation with him, and then, and then I say, we should record this, and he goes, nah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, um, the guy Casper is like this, uh, we've had him on the we've show We've had before. him on, yeah. And he's like, yeah, if you ever want somebody on to just want to take a dump on everything. <laughs> and my response to that is yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> just give me reasons. Well, I don't mind um, people not liking things that other folks like, you know, as long as you got reasons, exactly. Right, you know, yeah. have a reason for it. You well, know? I don't even want people to, uh, that like things if they don't have reasons. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't need anybody to tell me that something is awesome and yeah, that's the end of the conversation. Don't just be like, that was awesome. Oh, well, well, why? Oh, it's just, it's just awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. We got an hour. Thanks for your input. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we, have to, we have to fill the air, you know? So I went only on Sunday. Um, ended up working on Friday. Uh, I had a friend of mine, uh, another person I want to get on the podcast, a friend of mine said, oh, I got an extra ticket for me and my son on Friday. Do you want to go Friday? And I was like, yes. And then an hour later, I went up to him and I said, is that extra ticket a child's ticket? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up not going Friday. Uh, Saturday. I also did not go Friday. Yeah, Saturday's just too much for me. How was Saturday? Uh, insane. And I think that's part of... Um, uh, it's another downside to not having the booth. What mm-hmm. What was nice about having the booth is you could get in early when there's no one there and walk around freely. That's really nice. Um Saturday is insanely crowded. Oh, and the other thing about the booth that was really nice is you can go to a place that other people can't. You can just hide there. You can hide in the booth. Um, and you, 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 you set your stuff down. There's many advantages. Um, Although it's interesting. I'm noticing more and more uh, people are creating their booths to not have that barrier. I, I noticed on Sunday, it was like the Silver Age guys would have that would have a booth that you couldn't get in at all. They would just, they surround themselves with long boxes. Yeah. Like Max Rebo and the J- and Jabba the Hutt's band. Yeah. Where just everywhere he turns, there's keys. Yeah. Um, but most, I'm noticing more and more of the modern guys are creating little shops, almost like a mall. Yeah. Where they're taking the shelving and creating like a doorway in front and they have this stuff on the outside and then you walk inside and there's stuff on the inside. Right. And there's but usually you, once or three entrances or whatever. Yeah. It used to be, uh, the action figure guys started doing that. I feel like nah, five, less than 10 years ago. And yeah. now, I'm, now I'm seeing like the trade guys are starting to do that. Yeah. I think it's, um, our, in my experience from doing the, the, the show, and that's the only convention I've ever done. I did these like little toy cons years ago at 10th planet that weren't super fun 
Um, but the with my experience with C two E two is you get better at building the booth every year. Every year you kind of tweak it a little bit, and it's like the longer you do it, the better you get at it, kind of thing. Just like anything else. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of seeing what works doing multiple shows, and you know you kind of see them all evolve along the same lines. Um, but yeah, Saturday was bananas. I don't know the population count of how many people they allow into these things but it's like it whatever it, the number is it's too many it is one too many people <laughs> well they get a bigger room every year well it's always in the same room i think they need to they need to stop increasing it by small amounts and start increasing it by larger amounts what they need to do is take like the autographs and the artist alley and put that in another entirely different room there's too many many people there for too many different reasons, so it's just like uh, it's just chaos. I think you need yeah, to, they do you, that you in New York. Kinda, New York, um, and I think that's this is run by the same folks. Yes, read you know, uh, I understand McCormick Place. You know, uh, the more space you rent, the more expensive it is. But it's like so many people are going. You guys got to stop profiting so much and start put, investing back into the show. Yeah, the, the, you know, I'm sure they, these guys are making a killing. The panels things. are outside of the room and. Uh, those seem to be well run. Um, I was only there Sunday, and that was well run because they, you know, there's always that arc where Saturday is the crazy day. Yeah. So I didn't want to go on Saturday. I went on Sunday, brought everybody, which also ended up meaning uh, I didn't stay as late as I wanted to. Yeah. Well, I walked the kids. floor a couple of times, went to one panel, and then every, everyone in my family told me it was time to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what panel? Oh, you went to the Doctor Who panel? No, I didn't. We couldn't get into the David Tennant panel, which oh. was supposed to be David Tennant and Matt Smith together. Yeah. And then Matt Smith had to cancel on C2E2. Yeah. So it was just David Tennant, and you still couldn't get in. But they did a really smart thing, which um, I haven't seen conventions do before, where... Uh, they lined you up almost like Disney World, where they broke the line up into like twelve smaller lines, and they just they just fed you in. And at the front of every line was a, a monitor that was showing what was going on in the room. Oh. So we sat on the carpet for fifteen minutes and watched the David Tennant panel. Yeah, and then they let us in for Animaniacs. Okay, so we saw the uh, Animaniacs panel, which was all the voiceover actors, which was really fun. Uh, it was not a panel that I expected to get a lot of hardcore information. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was mostly I think it's more fun than. Yeah, it was mostly everybody going like, "Do that voice," yeah, and then they would do that voice. The funny thing was, um, it was everybody there: Rob Paulson, Tress McNeil, Jess Harnell, Maurice Lamarche, and uh, they they asked like, "What were your favorite? What are your favorite uh, voices to do?" And they were doing all the Animaniacs voices, and then Tress McNeil said, "I I also really like doing Principal Skinner's mother on The Simpsons." And she does start- she really play that character? She does, yeah. Okay. She plays Agnes Skinner. And when she did that voice, b- both my boys just popped up because they weren't expecting it. Yeah, it was like when Rob Paulson did Yakko, they were like, "Fine." When Maurice Marsh did the brain, they're like, "Yeah, that's why we're here." Yeah. But then to- it's I love the incongru- incongruity of somebody if somebody doing a cartoon voice out of a real person mouth. Yeah. It's it's, it's such, unusual. It's disorienting. Yeah, I remember I was. I don't know if this was inside the actor studio or something else. Some interview show got together all the voice actors for The Simpsons. That was inside the actor studio. I yeah. remember that. And it, w- I thought it would be like thirty people, but it's like seven people. Mm-hmm. And then you look at how many different voices seven people are doing on that show, and it's like, oh my god! If like a grenade goes off in this room, The Simpsons is over because <laughs> this is like four hundred characters or something coming out of seven people. Well, that's funny because Maurice Lamarche told a story. Not on the panel, but in interviews with, there was a season where they all wanted raises, and Fox didn't want to give them raises. So, as they were negotiating the contracts, they contacted uh, all the other voice actor people, and they were like, hey, can you do Homer Simpson? Can you do Mr. Burns? Trying to figure out if they could get a B team that was cheaper. Oh. And they asked Maurice LaMarche, and Maurice LaMarche has worked on Futurama. He was Kiff and Morbo. And Lur on Futurama. And he did all those voices in the panel. And he said, can you do Homer Simpson? And then he said, yes, I can. And I won't. Oh. And he's like, because if you screw these guys over. Right. There's no way you're not going to screw me over. Yeah. And that's something they talked about in the panel is how close-knit a community. Yeah. We've talked about this before, I think, is that voice actors in particular seem to be this very close-knit group of actors where it's like, I mean, this was years ago and I don't even know in what context we were talking about this, but that it's like such a small community. These guys have all either worked together or admire each other or know each other and that they all do kind of have each other's Well, it's a highly specialized skill and uh, it doesn't pay a lot per show. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they say to make you can make a ton of money in voiceover, but you have to book like five shows a day, and you can. Yeah, you know, guys like Billy West are like when you hear somebody on every cartoon, it's like they can they can record that. You can record a show in about an hour and a half. Yeah. So these guys are just running all over town, and they also like to play off each other. And that was a big thing in the panel of how much that cast likes to kind of improv with each other and throw the ball back and forth. Yeah. And you get a much better response with somebody else in the room than you do recording each person solo and putting them all together. Right. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons Mark Hamill became so big in voiceover was that he was, at that point, he was the biggest star that was doing voiceover. You know, by the early 90s, uh, he would tell you himself, his career had faded. Like, yeah, I actually... He wasn't, he wasn't Harrison Ford. No, and I think that's something people kind of forget because he's back and he's making, you know, more Star Wars movies than he was for, you know, a hot minute there. But um, I didn't know what Mark Hamill, like, looked like. You know what I mean? It's like I knew him as Luke Skywalker, but right. I didn't know... Oh, you didn't know what he looked like in modern... Yeah, and I didn't know he did the voice of the Joker until, like, I was a kid, you know? So I didn't I didn't know, mm-hmm. oh, that's Luke Skywalker playing the Joker. It was, like, years later I found that out, and then he was also doing the Hobgoblin in Spider-Man. Yep. And um, so to me, it's like Mark Hamill kind of started out as the Joker, because I think mm. I saw Batman and Spider-Man, before the movies, saw before Wars. I saw Star that's Wars. interesting. So... Because that was my age. first exposure to him, not really knowing that was him, you know? Yeah. And then later, watching Star Wars while Batman and Spider-Man were still on the air, and then being like, oh, this is the same dude. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was in college by the time Batman the Animated Series came out, so I'd seen Star Wars over and over and over. And Mark Hamill had been on The Flash, the original he version He was the, of the trickster. Yeah, it was the original. And you know what? And I probably saw that before I saw Star Wars, too. Maybe. It was the, uh, it was the original version of The Flash, which uh, lasted one season. Uh, it was like right after the Tim Burton Batman, so they yeah. were trying to do something else. But yeah, but one, I think one of the reasons he did so well in voiceover is that he took to it like a duck to water. He didn't come in as a celebrity doing a voice. Yeah. Like he just wanted to be a voiceover guy. And his whole idea was like, like I'm, they're not putting me in movies anymore. Like he's yeah. not, you know, nobody was even giving him a TV show. Right. So he's just like, I'm doing this and this is what I do. And he loved the other guys. Maurice LaMarche told the story when he met him. He said, uh, uh, Mark Hamill was a huge stand-up comedy nerd. And Maurice LaMarche used to be an impressionist stand-up comedian. Like, he, he was one of those guys in the 80s like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if Orson Welles was a mouse that tried to take over the world? Yeah. I think it might go a little something like this. That was like his whole act. So he met him at a voiceover artist and Mark, Maurice LaMarche went, oh my God, you're Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill went, oh my God, you're Maurice LaMarche. Yeah, He's that's like, great. I saw you on a Rodney Dangerfield Young Comedian special. So he just ing- he just entered that community, became such a big part of that community. And it's like this second ha- side of his career. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arguably like a more, and I'm sure he's never made more money than he has made with Star Wars because it's Star Wars. But no. it's like... I'm sure he's, uh, he's still making it. Yeah, but I think the guy basically got a second career out of just doing voices on TV. It's crazy. Yeah, and he always t- and he tells a story that he thought... They had him audition for the Joker. Tim Curry was originally the Joker. Yeah, I remember him. And about this. Uh, they weren't happy with the way he was doing it. I think it was coming, he was too dark and he wasn't funny. Uh, and uh, Mark Hamill did the voice of like the evil corporate guy in Heart of Ice. So the, the Mr. Freeze origin episode. Mark Hamill's the guy who's like, I ordered funding for this shot weeks ago. Kill your wife. He's that guy. Yeah. That. Uh, Victor Freeze wants to get revenge on and he said like if there's anything else I can do like I, I want to be on this sh- I want to do more of these shows and they were like well Tim Curry just dropped out of the Joker you want to try that and he was like sure because no you're never going to hire me for that yeah. he's like there's no press agent in this town wants to say Luke Skywalker is the Joker right so he was like so he said I had nothing to lose so I just went nuts on the audition and that He's as well known for being the Joker as he is for being Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, at the time, it was an interesting footnote because it was a kid's show and Star Wars was the biggest thing going. But now we've had nine Star Wars movies uh, and Mark Hamill's been in five of them. Yeah. You know, so he's not even the main character in two of them. So he's just another guy who's in Star Wars. Like, um, you know, he's as famous for being in Star Wars as Ewan McGregor is. Right. Like, People remember Ewan McGregor was Obi-Wan, but they also remember that he did a bunch of other stuff. Right. And now with the Joker, your generation, now I sound really old, Uh, um, because you grew up with that, we're seeing all of this 
Batman the Animated Series uh, nostalgia. Right. Well, and even like uh, you see it in like memes all the time is like they list all the best Jokers and Mark Hamill's Jokers consistently, maybe the second or third. Yeah. Sometimes even the first one. It's like yeah, it's like Heath Ledger, Mark Jack Hamill, Nicholson, and Mark yeah. Hamill are the three best Jokers. And actually, that's a good transition. I want um I want to talk about what else you saw at C two E two. But this week is actually Batman's 80th anniversary. Oh yeah, happy 80th birthday, Batman! You're old ass man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I didn't want to do a big big show for it because uh, we've been doing the show long enough where we did a big Batman 75th anniversary show. Oh yeah. And that was around the time that uh, Snyder and Capullo were doing. That's right. Court of Owls. So it was a so DC put I think a lot more effort into it now um and we've talked about batman lately i still love batman but it's like his presence is a lot quieter now than it was at 75 uh i feel like tom king's batman is really good yeah but it seems to be like a quiet critical darling because of his style yeah it's um yeah i was gonna say i was gonna come comment that it was interesting that 75 at the 75th anniversary Batman was really good, like Capullo and I don't know what, the Court of Owls and stuff. That was a really yeah, good Yeah, Court story. of Owls, Death of the Family. They lost me whenever they fought like a giant guy with a flower for a face or whatever it was. Uh, well, that's, by that point, Jim Gordon is Batman. And yeah, like, I was pretty much done it. with it then. But uh, with Tom King, it's like, no, Batman's actually like, I like this run better. I do too. But, but it's but subtle. Yes. It's not this huge thing. And, and even the artists they're putting on, people like Clay Mann and Mikhail Jan and, uh, and Lee Weeks, they're great artists, but yeah. they, they're all quiet. Well, that's what's nice. Did you, I just read uh, the the Beep Beep episode they did. Did you read that? The Beep Beep episode? It's a chase. They did a chase episode. And oh, the Batman. annual? I don't know was if the it was. The Catwoman one or was it the Elmer Fudd? Batman is chasing, it's a silent issue. Batman's chasing the Joker, but he's in disguise. Oh, yes. It was the most recent. It's a Roadrunner yeah, gag. Uh, because they go to the bar and it's the They go to the bar piggy. where Elmer Fudd is. Right. Or no, uh, Porky Pig Porky is the Pig, b- yeah. bartender. And that's and from the Elmer Fudd. From the annual. They, it's like they've basically made uh, the, the Warner Brothers cartoon characters real life characters in gotham it's like you know the bar with no name in spider-man yeah. there's like a porky pig bar in gotham yeah because uh two years ago maybe um they did all of these crossovers with looney tunes in dc which i don't know why it took them that long because warner brothers on both it for yeah it's like what were they waiting and for? most of them were just silly most of them were like wiley tasmanian devil and lobo and stuff like that yeah but Tom King and Lee Weeks did this beautiful Elmer Fudd. Probably one uh, of the best issues that they did, like one of the single yeah, and like, it's, best. It's awesome. And it's a special, but it's really part of that run. So yeah. it's kind of nice to put them back in it. Yeah. So they did this like Roadrunner bit. Uh, I don't know what issue it was, but it's worth reading. It was reading. the newest one. I think it's it was a one shot. Yeah, maybe. It's a one shot. It's, it's tied to a bigger story, but you don't need to read it. It's basically Jokers in Disguise and uh it's a it's it's basically a silent issue of them batman chasing joker over like rooftops through windows and through this bar and everything and uh it's a it's a roadrunner gag he yeah, goes I, like beep beep the whole time I, I didn't even realize that i yeah but i did tell my wife uh when i got it i was like this this comic took me 90 seconds to read and i'm so glad i spent the four dollars on it yeah. yeah, yeah it's one of those ones where it's uh those silent issues are cool because it's tricky to do they have the automatopoeia just for, like, sound effects and stuff in yeah, the issue. Yeah, they do. Well, um, the, the most famous example, maybe the first, but it was definitely the first mainstream, is actually an issue with G.I. Joe uh, called Silent Interlude. And it's uh, it's Larry Hama drew it. The whole, Oh, you're saying the whole issue is. whole issue so being silent. Say, Jim Stranko did, like, five or six pages yeah. without word balloons. No, but, the, but Larry Hama did an entire issue of G.I. Joe, not yeah. even with uh, sound effects. Yeah. Like, just just art and it was the first appearance of storm shadow who became a major major character yeah and it's like snake eyes fighting storm shadow like snake eyes rescuing scarlet from like a cobra base and having to fight storm shadow and i just read it over and over and over again when i was a little kid because i couldn't believe it didn't need anything and then every now and then they've done that uh, marvel like, did a whole month called enough said yeah and there's a really really good paul jenkins mark buckingham spider-man issue where spider-man fights a uh, gang of mimes oh i don't know if i've heard that i it's thought you were gonna really talk good. about the straczynski one where um aunt may finds out he's spider-man i think that was a silent issue oh yeah 
Yeah, because it's right at the end of the That's Mulan. really good. Uh, um, yeah. Kurt Busiek did the end of his big Kang story. Right. Was the Avengers surrendering Earth to Kang. Yep. And that was an entire silent issue that was awesome. Yeah, there I was some, what the Fantastic Four did. The Fantastic Four. It was Mark Wade. No, it's pre-Mark Wade. No. I think it might have been that Jeff Loeb Pacheco. No. Because it's like 2001. No. Yeah. No, I, we'll, we'll sure. have to look it up. We'll look it up. It's early 2000s. Um, that Paul Jenkins run of Spider-Man is really underrated, and they're finally coming out with like a big trade of a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, and it was like when Str- – he took over when they were running it into the ground. <laughs> like uh, the end of like the Howard Mackey run where like uh, Mary Jane was killed in a plane crash. And- oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then, But then he stayed on it uh. when Straczynski came on, so he – he was kind of like the Peter Tomasi who Peter so Tomasi. What, what did he have? Spectacular or sensational? It, or what it was, was it? Peter Parker Spider-Man oh, okay. at that point. Uh, there were two. There were two titles at that point because they had run it that hard into the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then they re they uh, moved him over and they rebooted uh, Spectacular for him and Umberto Ramos. Yeah. And those are good, but they're not quite as good as the Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, Paul Jenkins, man, it's like a super underrated guy. I don't know. Like I've ever been like, Oh, this Paul Jenkins story is the bomb or like the uh, point to a specific story. But this was a phenomenal story, but it's like, it's always pretty it's good. Always good. Yeah. He, Paul Jenkins created the century, which, Oh yeah. Um, I, the way he wrote it, was good. Yeah, Bendis went crazy on they, that character. They ran it into the ground and too. Now it's a character nobody likes. Yeah, but that's probably the, the initial concept, though. That's probably his big claim to fame, right? Is the that miniseries? Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. I feel like the longer the show goes on, the more I use the phrase. We've talked about this before. Yeah, well, it um, <laughs> just becomes more true. Whatever legacy you have in your career, it's always the characters. What was the popular character you created? Because no matter what you do in your run, somebody's going to undo it. Yeah. And 20, 30 years from now, it's going to seem a little old fashioned and stale because styles are going to change. Sure. And um, if you kill somebody, it's the same thing. Somebody's going to bring them back. Right. But if you create a character that wasn't there before, like when Len Wein passed away, as much great work as Len Wein did, creator of Wolverine. Yeah. You know, Jerry Conway, who's still with us, creator of Punisher. You know, David Michelinie, who did a lot, a lot of stuff, creator of Venom. Yeah. Uh, so it's really like who's the character you added that didn't exist before that now we cannot we will not get rid of yeah that's, that's what your legacy right is. i mean we were watching before we started recording a bane now yeah uh, the- chuck dixon and graham nolan who have uh good friends of our of the show that's what people yeah, remember them for. they'll remember and they were on that book forever yeah and that's the thing there's like these characters that kind of stick around you yeah know? and you never know what they are chuck dixon told me on this podcast he said yeah we you know uh we didn't re- we didn't think Bane was going to be the big one. We were trying to create somebody for the crossover. Yeah. And I didn't think we'd be able to create somebody that'd be popular. And he goes he goes I worked for like 2 years on this pirate character. <laughs> <laughs> He's like and we put him in an issue detective. Nobody remembers that yeah. guy. Yeah. And that's the thing is you kind of don't know where it's going to come from and yeah. then uh you know people respond to interesting things. Well and that's and speaking of Bane that's the interesting thing about Batman now is we're talking about he he's good but he's quiet right now. So he's not the biggest noise going. Well first of all Marvel's the biggest noise going. And I've even said that I've been more of a Spider-Man fan than a Batman fan which uh is rare for me. Yeah. And I still read Batman all the time. I still read Detective. I I, I haven't been enjoying it that much but pete tomasi's coming on and i'm like all right i like pete tomasi yeah so I'll, i read the I'll stay thousandth issue of detective well that's out. that's the big thing they're doing for this anniversary is detective comics has reached a thousand last year action comics reached a thousand and it was that was a big 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 deal though they did the same thing it's a ten dollar book it's 96 pages it's all a-list talent it's a lot of six and eight page stories yeah there's no major through line there uh it's kind of everybody doing their style and, you know, two varying results. There are some guys that uh, I'm not going to name names. There's some guys that are famous but never very good that did yeah. a story that's not very good. There's some guys that were amazing decades ago and, you know, let's bring them out again and it's not going to yeah, be what it's, it was. It's like worth – I did the same thing when I did the Action 1000 last year, two years ago, whenever that was, is I got it. I flipped through it. I read the issues I really liked by the creators I liked. And then if I saw something I didn't like, it's like, just skip it. It's like, right. it's more about, um, it's a rare opportunity. It's like, uh, I can't remember who wrote it, but 
Oliver Copiel. It might have not been Oliver Copiel who drew it. It might have been Clay Mann because that guy is very similar in style. But in the Action Comics 1000, they did a story and it was um, the the cover for Action where he's picking up the car and slamming it right. on the wall. The original Action the, Comics. Yeah, one. it's like the guy who owned that car after that image. Oh, yeah. And he like goes to a garage I and then like that. Superman shows up and talks to him or There's something. There's a really good... Paul Dini story in Detective Comics 1000 about the worst henchman in Gotham City. Yeah, that was a really cool story. It's, re- it's very Paul Dini where it's like every yeah. villain's like, oh my God, he worked with me on this and he ruined it. And and then Poison Ivy's like, no, I killed him. Yeah. And then it, ter- it turns out, it's an eight-page story, it's not really a spoiler. But it turns out that that's Batman sabotaging all their efforts. Yeah. It's, now, it's like, not even Batman, it's everybody. Because then Nightwing's like, oh yeah, I was this guy there. Yeah, and- it's like a Matches Malone type situation where yeah. it's like, here's then- their undercover doofus henchman. Yeah, and then Batman's like, they're catching on, we'll stop doing it, and Damien's like, and Damien's like, I never got a chance. They're like, you're so, but you're small. He's like, I'll be the son of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some, there's some fun things in it. There's a new uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo story, which, uh, it's the, the first one in it, and it's, it's good. It's nice to see them again. It doesn't, it's not really anything major. Yeah. Uh, but it was fun to see them. Like I said, Neil Adams does a story, um... Bendis writes a story. I think uh, Bendis and Kelly Jones believe drew it. Yeah, Kelly Jones and Jeff Johns do a story. Yeah, and most of them, like, there's no nobody's kicking off anything major. At the end, Pete Tomasi brings back the Arkham Knight from the video game, and it says to be continued in Detective Thousand and One. Yeah, it's the last story in it, so I think sure it's they like were a like, bridge. all right, yeah, they were like, how does this issue fit into the run? Yeah, um, but there's nothing. Major. There's no reason to be like, you need to run out and get this. There's also like a hundred different variant covers. Oh, yeah. Like everybody's done a cover. There's like retailer exclusives. Um, Bulletproof Comics, which I used to work for. They're good friends of ours. Um, they have a a deal with Gabriel Delato. Del mm-hmm. And they have a gallery now space in the store. Um, it's uh, in Brooklyn on Flatbush Avenue by Brooklyn College. If you want to go in and visit, uh, that's a free plug. Uh, but they have a whole gallery space of original art. Hank Kwan, who owns it uh, in the 90s, used to buy original art. Once he became a comic book retailer, and you know this from running a store itself, like you can't hang on to your own personal comic collection. Everything yeah, you gotta. goes in the store. So he got into buying original art, and uh, he gave me some original art when I worked there for doing shows. And I've got some like original Michael Wingos in the house. Yeah. I've got some John Romitas in the house. I don't have a lot. But he turned... He turned part of his store into a gallery space, and he has a deal with Gabriel Delato, uh, where he's got a lot of his paintings. And they have an exclusive Detective Comics thousand Gabriel Delato cover. Yeah, yeah, I think they get a lot because um, they're. I mean, they're the biggest, one of the biggest stores in New York. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely a big store in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, um, Jim Hanley's used to be gigantic. They shrunk a lot, and then of course Midtown Comics. Yeah, Midtown's uh, the big also one. good friends of ours. Um, yeah. Really. Really great. They have th- three stores, which are all fantastic. Uh, I used to love Midtown Comics because Paul um, owns it is a great guy. But also, uh, when I used to work at the Improv in Times Square, um, as a young comic, you have to hand out tickets for the show for like two hours to get on oh, stage and then do five minutes. Yeah. And when it was very, very cold, I would blow off handing out tickets and I just go into the store. Yeah. And look at comics for an hour and warm up and then go do a show for four people. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it's like to be a stand-up. Yeah. Uh, so, but I do love that story. But but Bullproof is doing... Bullproof's been hanging in there. they like just done 25 years. and Yeah, I was talking about a buddy of mine is that a lot of stores close or have troubles and all this stuff. And you, you do get these stores that have been around 25, 30 you know, years or whatever. And it's like, uh, those guys are uh, very smart fellows. Yeah. <laughs> they are very, very smart. Mac was always hustling when video games were big. He yeah. was like, I'm going to take this wall and make it secondhand video games. When anime got big, um, uh, this was well known. This was well known to the point where he was bootlegging a lot of anime. Yeah. Which I would ordinarily not feel good about recording. But he was so proud of it that on anime tapes, they had a warning, do not buy from these dealers. Yeah. And he's like, look, there's Bulletproof Comics. Right, we're listening. He was so It was like a point of pride. It was a point of pride. He's always always been trying to figure figure out and be ahead of the curve. Yeah, which is hard. You know, it's a hard thing to do. 
But, uh, but that's the amount of variance that this cover has as there are retailer exclusives. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they always do it and it's kind of nice. I'm not a big variant person. You know, just put them out on a book so somebody can look at them. But the, um, it's cool when they do it for these like big ones to kind of see just how silly they can get with their, you know, everyone kind of comes out of the woodwork to do a variant, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, that's a lot of what drives the business now. As much as I hate it, because uh, a lot of why I collect is this completist nature in me. And I'm like, well, I'll never have all those covers. And why would I spend all this money, that money on buying the same interior art over and over yeah. and over again? But I, uh, but going back to Batman, that's really the only thing they have planned. Um, you know, we're years away from a new Batman movie. We keep hearing about it, but we yeah. don't have a Batman. We don't even have a Batman yet, I was no. going to say, is we've got... We have a really good director, and I, who I think is going to do a great job. Who? Matt Reeves, who did the last two Planet of the Apes. Oh, right. And those those movies are great. That yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes is epic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it, it, we've had so many Batmans. It's like I'm kind of just like, I don't know how quickly I need another Batman movie. You know, I'm kind of right. like, it, I'm go see it, you know, whenever it eventually gets uh, after made. After what happened, the next Batman movie needs to be Batman and nobody else. Yeah, and I think that, they kind of need to get back to a, a bit of a basics with them. Right, and originally Ben Affleck was going to do like an Arkham Asylum thing where it was going to be contained, where you'd just be fighting everybody in Arkham Asylum. And I don't know what this movie's going to be, but I'm like, yeah, they fight a lot of villains. We're getting a Joker movie. They're working. They're filming that now. Yeah, that just seems... It's like, uh, we heard Shazam's really good. I think we'll talk about it whenever it comes out. Yeah, I saw it, uh, I saw it early, and we will talk about it next week. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, I didn't mind Aquaman, even though a lot of folks weren't big fans of it. That movie's almost three hours long. I didn't realize. Yeah. That movie, that which makes sense because it's nuts. nuts. There's a very good honest trailers of Aquaman out right now. I'll have to look that up. It's really, it, it but, but really I, nails it. But I think with like the DC movies, I'm so like apprehensive of like what they're doing because it's like, there's no, um, there's no structure and there's no continuity. So it's like, where does Aquaman, is Shazam going to tie into Aquaman somehow? Are they going to be the new Justice League? It's like, where does this Joker movie fit well, into the mix? I think They're going to do Suicide Squad, but the James Gunn's going back to Marvel. So it's like, yeah. uh, it's such a mess. It's just easy not to care about I it. Have ba- I am, now that I've seen Shazam, and I'm not going to get into Shazam until we've seen it, but I have backed off my opinion of DC movies from being terrible to being wildly inconsistent yeah (laughs) where every movie they make they haven't made a great movie since uh dark dark Knight rises and a lot of people don't like dark Knight rises i like it a lot but a lot of people don't even like it so a lot of people would say they haven't made a great one since the dark Knight, which is now 11 years ago yeah and i'd say like that was a great one dark Knight rises is it's watchable but it's a bit of a mess and I, I wouldn't say it's a mess. It's a bit all over the place, but I feel like it does hold together in a uh, way that Aquaman doesn't. No, I think like with Aquaman, I'll give them credit for uh, making it fun. It's like it's ridiculous and they just crammed way too much in there, but it's a fun ride. Yeah. And that's all I want out of these things. You know what I mean? It's Shazam. It's like the trailer doesn't look great, but it's like everyone's saying it's good. I'm, I'll go see it. We'll talk about it. It's right. just like. So, yeah, I don't know what to think about DC now. Is you're, but you're right. They don't. They have given up on having any idea of an overriding guiding principle. And we've been, we've talked about this for, for years about how nothing connects on TV, and TV's working out for them. So I think I think moving forward, that's just what they're going to do in the movies. Right. It's just like we're making this movie. You know, maybe we never see Jason Momoa as Aquaman again. We will never see Ben Affleck as Batman again. Um, maybe we'll get Shazam in another Justice League movie. Maybe he'll appear in somebody else's movie. Maybe he won't. I think they're doing everything as a one-off. Like, this Joker movie I'm curious about because, uh, it's got Mark Maron and Robert De Niro in it. Yeah, I'm curious about it as, like, um, it's kind of like, what are those kids over there doing? You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, I don't, I'm not looking forward to it. Like, I'm looking forward to every single movie Marvel has putting out. Right, and, like, right now, it's just a countdown to Endgame. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all kind of going to lose our collective minds. But I, I think it's, like, with the DC stuff, it's, like, it's such, it's so amorphous. You don't really know what it is. It's kind of, like... Well, DC is movies are running the way they run their comics. The same way Marvel is running. Marvel's running the movies the way they 
they run the comics of like, okay, we're going to focus on this character, but everything's connected. Yeah. DC has never really been connected. It's always been, they bought other companies. Shazam was originally Fawcett Comics. They've rebooted their universe so many times right. that when you read Batman, like the Detective Comics 1000 is a perfect example. It's like 20 different stories in it. None of them connect to each other. Nothing to do with like each other. Like some of them, they're not even the same Batman. Yeah, I I do like that to some extent. I think we need and should have different versions of characters so people have the freedom to kind of tell stories. I just think it's like um, it always seems like DC is like trying to have their cake and eat it too. It's kind of like, well, we're gonna have a shared universe, but ah, oh, we can't figure it out. So it's like, it's like they just. But honestly, wasn't that the new Fifty Two? Right when I can't remember, we're gonna oh, reboot everything, but not Batman. That reminds me, because uh, they were talking. That was one of the panels we went to. Is we, uh, me, Ken, and Davis, everyone but Ken's been on the show, went to um, Marv Wolfman and George Perez panel. All right, that was about the time my kids decided it was time to go. It was after yeah. the Animaniacs panel, and I was like, "There's no way I can wait to watch an hour of two old guys talking about." It. Although Marv Wolfman. Mike Drucker has been on the show, uh, and I used to love Marv Wolfman because we love the fact that he was—he looks like Larry David. Yeah, <laughs> and but his name is Wolfman. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we always used to do this impression of him because we were and he has a very, he has a very yeah. New York old Jewy kind of voice, <laughs> and he, he's like, "Well, when I created Blade, I thought who could hunt the vampires? You know, you have a vampire. He's Dracula. You should have a guy who's gonna like, and then maybe maybe the half man, half robot should be African American. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? But we we used to love to do that voice for each other. We used to go." I'm the Wolfman. Rawr. <laughs> yeah. So I really wanted to go to that battle. Yeah. Just, just because in my head, that's, that's all I would that's think what for the next hour. Like. And you know what? Now put it in your head. Well, um, But how was the battle? Uh, it was amazing. The, those two guys are delightful. And uh, what I uh, really do appreciate about these guys, and uh, they one of them said this in an interview. This isn't my thinking. But... Um, that that generation of guys are they're the first creators in comics who actually wanted to be in comics. Yeah. Everyone else who had built all this stuff, Stanley Ditko and all these guys, they all wanted to be like novelists and architects and they were frustrated illustrators. At the very least, most of them wanted to be in daily newspaper strips because that's where the money was. Right. So, and in fact, uh, I just realized, um, not to derail this, but they ran the final. Oh, uh, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man newspaper yeah. strip. And they canceled it because Stan passed away and Stan wrote that last one. So it was basically that was on his board when right. he passed away. Um, and it made me realize like, oh, that was his – he wanted to be a novelist. But he achieved the 1940s comic dream because he did this strip for 40 years. Yeah. He wrote the Spider-Man comic book for arguably 10. Right. Like – and but it was so below the radar, everybody forgot it existed. Yeah, yeah. But, it's like I used to read it as a kid, and then we stopped getting the newspaper, and then I just forgot. Yeah, just about like it. the rest of the world. Yeah, um, but the panel is really cool. Uh, just hearing two guys talk about how much they loved the industry and being able to work in the industry and leaving an impact on the industry. They talked a little bit about crisis, which was going to be kind of like my segue is like crisis. You got to think in eighty five or eighty six or whenever that was lasted. 25 years until the new 52 and that was a pretty big deal of an unrebooted continuity there were little soft things like zero hour but right but nothing major um so they talked a lot about uh their impact on the news industry you know they talked about different story arcs they really liked and one of the things that's really charming is they were talking about how they used to write is that they they both lived really close to each other i think they're in brooklyn maybe um, and they lived about six blocks away from each other. So they would go to meet at a diner to talk about the next issue, hash out story ideas and stuff. And they were talking about Tara and, uh, they were talking, it's like <laughs> these two, like, I don't know if George Perez is Jewish. I don't think he is. No, he's, he's Hispanic, but Perez. Yeah, duh. He's actually good friends with my uh, neighbors when I lived in uh, Queens. So I don't know if he's Brooklyn or Queens, but oh, maybe uh, they're in Queens. But I, I lived in that place for six years, and I kept expecting him to like ring their doorbell and be like, "Hey, everybody, yeah. George Perez." Right. I'd be like, "Now come over here, George Perez." But I never met him. But they used to meet at this diner and talk about 
the comics and stuff and like hashing out ideas and working through the story and stuff and it's just really nice to like picture these guys in like the 80s or the 70s or whenever they're doing this just kind of sitting down having a bowl of eggs or whatever and like talking about Teen Titans comics that are gonna become legends like 20 years later or whatever did you say a bowl of eggs yeah well you know whatever I don't even eat eggs and I know they don't come in a bowl (laughs) they can if you want them to (laughs) anything can come in a bowl if you want it to you just got a dream John I can put this bin of action figures in a bowl yeah um but it was really cool it was really nice to see and uh you know you, the the problem with these panels then is then you get these idiots that get up there because it's like ask any question you want and then it, it does any time i feel like uh it's like an unwritten rule it's like if you open up the floor to questions and it's a comic book related f- forum somebody will inevitably ask why aren't they publishing the jsa anymore <laughs> and sure enough this guy got up here and he's like hey you, what is it going to take to get you two guys to uh, publish jsa and they were both like we're old and <laughs> <laughs> george first just announced his retirement right he's he this guy was basically asking him to come out of retirement to have this guy's like wish fulfillment to do his fan fiction and george press is like guys like I don't know how much you know about my retirement, but he's like, I'm retiring because I can't like see really good. He's like, I physically, I can't. He's like, I have no peripheral vision. He's like, don't worry. He's like, I'm totally royalties from crisis and everything. He's like, I'm very well off. He's like, I don't have to work anymore. Thank God. There's well, they, a lot of folks. They just that can't. did a Titans TV show on the, the right. app, he's which getting, has characters create yeah. the two of them created. So they're they, Cyborg, they're, they're Starfire, fine, they, you know, which a lot of comic creators their age can't say. Right. Um, but it's it's just like come on, <laughs> get your head out of your ass, dude. It's like and these guys aren't decision making people at DC. I'm always I'm always amazed by guys who stay so hard on the fan side. Now, arguably, I am mostly on the fan side. I, you know, my whole career is I published four comics and then went and worked for uh, a toy company and then got into advertising where like every now and then I'd get to work with like George Takei or or Anthony Daniels or something like that. Uh, That's, that's as much as I am in the industry. Like, um, but I'm, but I take time to figure out how the industry works. Yeah. And there's just all these guys who are like, well, I'll just ask them. <laughs> yeah. Like, what that did is- that guy think that like, that George Perez and Marv Wolfman are like, oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> we'll call Dan Dito right now and tell him yeah. we want to draw the JSA. <laughs> yes. Single person at a panel. Uh, yeah. It's like, get your head out of your ass. Yeah. it's. <laughs> but uh, anytime you get a chance, if you're a comic fan and you <laughs> are going. George Perez is like, I don't know if you know what retired means. <laughs> right. But if you do get a chance to kind of go to this stuff. Uh, especially if these guys are on podcasts or whatever, it's like it's worth listening just to hear these guys. And they're there, you it's just like a beautiful relationship they have. They're like they take like funny little digs at each other. Um, you know, George Perez loves every character, so it's like they'll be like, Who's your favorite character to draw? And he's like, I'm choosing between my children. It's like he loves everybody. He's also the guy that's drawn every character. Yeah. I mean, I, you're not just talking about Teen Titans, like Anytime you had a major crossover event where every single person was going to show up, yeah. you called George Perez. I, I don't know that it's true, but I'm fairly certain it's true, and we'll say it is true until I'm proven otherwise. George Perez has probably drawn more characters, published characters, than any other comic creator, I'd say. Between I Crisis and Avengers and JLA. What else? Don't Yeah, don't forget, he started the Infinity Gauntlet. Right, he that's what I'm the saying. the first couple of issues of that, which had... had half the marvel universe yep getting wiped out yeah <laughs> but it's like uh you know he's great they're they're both great it was a really enjoyable experience to kind of be able to hear those two guys just reminisce and talk about the creative process and what it was like creating these characters and some of their favorite stories um yeah it, it was awesome it was one of the things i i wasn't super sold on going to c2e2 and then i looked at the panels and i was like that alone uh, was worth um, going to the show for. Yeah, I wanted to go. Nick Spencer did a Spider-Man panel, and I wanted to go to that, um, but I wasn't able to make it. There was also, there was a Batman 80th anniversary panel, but it was on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and which, so I missed that. The other thing, there was a major announcement at the Marvel Next Specs panel. No, I went panel. to that panel, too. Oh, so yeah. you were there for the announcement? Because uh, yeah, was. that was the big news afterwards, and you didn't say anything. Yeah, well, so I went to that uh 
panel last year or two years ago or something. It was really good because they showed all these covers. They showed this like it was basically like getting a previews a month ahead of time. And they showed all this stuff, interior artwork panels. They made all these announcements. I think that's when they announced Jason Aaron was on Avengers. And I was really like, oh, this is awesome. Like, what a great panel. And then this year, they're like, Marvel, the next big thing. And they had already leaked, like, what it was. Because two weeks before C2E2, they had a one-page advertisement in the comics that was like a teaser for a big X-Men event. And then the following mm-hmm. week, they had a, an announcement in the comics, the same thing, and it said Hickman, July 2019 or whatever it was. I and, actually didn't put those two together. I was like, oh, okay, I was like, okay, they have two events. Yeah. And, I, well, even at the panel, they I were like, it, when they announced it, they were like, and the uh, the most unkept secret in comics today, Hickman's on X-Men. And everyone was like, well, fucking duh. <laughs> it's like, well, of course he is. Like, what else are you bringing this guy back for? Right. Although I am excited about the announcement as an announcement, because I would, uh, we're talking about his Avengers run, and we talked about his Fantastic Four run. This Secret is, Warriors was good. Secret Shield Wars was, was good. Yeah, Secret Wars was good. Uh, and then he left. Yeah, he and, hasn't done anything at Marvel since. No, so it's been like three, four years. And we've been talking, honestly, a lot over the last month about how badly the X-Men need somebody new. They need a real shot in the arm. Because they keep so rebooting it and nothing the, happens. But, and it's like, well, he, he's probably the best guy for the job right now. Yeah, there's two books they're launching. One's House of X, I think. And then the other one, I don't know what it's called. It's, I think it's Uncanny. No, it's like or, or something it's X-Men. of X. It's like it's House of X and then something of X. I think one is. I'll look this up, but I we'll look it up. One is just straight up X Men because because House of X is like the new title they're launching. But yeah, I uh, thought it was two new titles, and the other one that was like it looks like House of X. It's similar, but it's actually ten. It's a group of ten or something, right. but it's an X. It's like oh, cool, and the Roman numerals or whatever. Uh, here's the thing. Um, if Hickman has an idea for House of X and Powers of X, Powers of Ten. Ah, yeah, that's what it is. That's what they announced. Uh, but they're also going to be weekly because they're going to be every other week, more than twice a month. Yeah, they're going to be, uh, they're both going to be twice a month and then they're going to alternate. So basically, Jonathan Hickman's going to write the X-Men every week, which I hope, and I know they won't do this. I hope they're just canceling everything else. I hope so. Because I will read it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check I'll it read, out. But I'll read one X Men book every week if Jonathan if Hickman good. is doing as good a job as he did on and FF and Avengers. And that's the thing. My worry is that they he didn't have an idea for X Men, and he they were like, "Come and do X Men and fix it for us." And then it, it's like he he's just kind of making it up as he goes. If he did what he did with Fantastic Four and Avengers, he's got a stack of notebooks for like, "Here's what I would do with X Men," and then. Uh, you know, th- he, I just want to have a game plan going. I'm in. more inclined to think that he does because yeah. he is he's he's a game plan. He's the game plan guy. So I don't think I don't think he comes in and wings it. Like I hope not. But X Men's been such a like, horrific mess for the last I ten know, years. It's, it's been, like I have no I have no hope that it's going to be any better than it has been. See, I have hope because I'm like, well, who else? Who else can you get? And honestly, most of the guys I really really like have come in and done it already. Yeah, you know, we've had the Grant Morrison X Men. We've had the Joss Whedon X Men. Mark Wade tried it, but he was too buried under all the uh, everyone else's books to yeah. like really create his own run. Uh, every everybody's kind of ha- most of the guys have had their big swing in it. Like Brubaker's done it. Fraction's done it. Right, uh, Bendis. Yeah, Bendis has done it. Uh, that Cullen Bunn has been working on it for a while. Mark Guggenheim just did it. Jason like, Aaron's done it. Jason Aaron's done it. Jason Aaron's did Wolverine for a long time. Yeah. He's done X-Men, but he's done a lot of Wolverine. So it's like, really, who's out there that you'd want on it? Um, it's like when they announced Nick Spencer on Amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, yeah, that'll be good. That's your guy. Um, I was sorry to see Slot leave than I am to see X-Men get well, rebooted. Put Dan, put Dan Slot on X-Men. Dan Slot's on Fantastic Four. It's the best place for him right now. I don't want somebody doing Fantastic Four and X Men at the same time. No, he shouldn't be doing both. It's no. one or the other. Stan barely did it. Yeah, um, and then he canceled it. Yeah, he also. I don't. Uh, he gave it to Roy Thomas. That was a Roy Thomas one. After a little while. Oh, X-Men, Stan didn't yeah. stay on X Men. No, it's like they, then they're fighting like a grasshopper person. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, <laughs> fucking mutants, you idiots? Well, that's the thing. The thing about X Men when you get down to it is Stan was out of ideas when he created it. 
where he's yeah. like, ah, uh, they're just born that way. Yeah. I, no origins ever again. Which, you know, somebody like Claremont comes along and kind of finds the magic for it. Yeah, and that's, uh, and that's what that's I'm saying. That's like 15 years later. Hopefully Hickman has got some ideas to kind of freshen it up a bit. Um, I, I, I'm in an X-Men mood because I've been reading this giant omnibus of X-Men. Which one? The Mutant Massacre stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm almost done. Yeah, I, I just, actually finished I, all the Mutant Massacre stuff because I just did the X-Men vs. Fantastic Four miniseries. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. And it's like, uh, I don't know who this guy who did the art. I can never remember oh, his name. Oh, it's Bogdanovy. Yeah, okay. Bogdanovy, uh, who I'm iffy on, he did a lot of Superman. So like okay. he, he created Steel. Like Steel oh, was in his book with Louis Simonson. So he did a lot of the Death of Superman stuff. He did Superman That's Red and Blue. That's probably why like, it looked very familiar artwork, because I read a lot of Death of Superman. Yeah, and back he's like cartoony, but, uh, but Terry Austin inks him on this, and I love that yeah, book. Yeah, Terry Austin's I think it looks like a phenomenal inker. Probably Terry, my top three. Best guy <laughs> if on, anyone has top inkers, he's best one Best guy on Burn ever. Yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. I, I'm digging that. That If we're doing it, that'd be, I think, my greatest thing in the world this week. Yeah, I think we're just rolling into it because we've mentioned a lot of things. Um, I just finished Legion Season 2, which is on Hulu now. And oh. I love that show. But You know what? Marco has been telling me for a long time. He's like, dude, you got to watch Legion. He's like, it's it, awesome. It's so great. It's super intense, though. And I yeah. missed uh, when it, it it runs on FX. And for some reason, season two, like I missed when it aired. I'm like, okay, I have to watch. I can't jump into this thing in the middle because it's a, it's a season story. You yeah. cannot watch episode four and figure out what's going right. on. Right. So I was like, I'll just wait for it to come on Hulu. And it took a year. Um, but even then there was 10 or 11 episodes for the season. And even then it took me a month to watch them. Cause I would watch two and I'd be like, Oh yeah. And I just have to settle down. Um, and then watch three more Gotham's and go, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. By I the love way, that all, you're still hate watching Gotham. All caught up with Gotham. They had Bane and the ventriloquist on and they were awful. Great. Although the puppet from Scarface look of Scarface looked, cool. looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can say. And then they had a Bruce Wayne fighting the fake Joker. And I'm like, all right, it's awesome that, uh, there's a live action version of our second live action version of, or I'm sorry, our third live action version of Bane, our first live action version of the Scarface character. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's like D list news right now. Yeah. Just no. think of like what the world looks like now where it's like, here's how much comic book crap is well, going they on. Had everybody Gotham just released a poster, which is keeping me back. The way I watch Gotham now is I quit. And then, uh, <laughs> then I have a day where I have to do something in the house yeah. with something on. And then I go, then I go to Hulu and I go, oh, I'm eight episodes behind on Gotham. And then I just leave it on all week. And yeah. I and I look up every 12 minutes and go, this is garbage. And then I just keep going. Yeah. So like I clean the house. Right. <laughs> I, I fix some stuff or I'm working from home that day. And I yeah. watch four Gothams. It would have been a perfect show for you to watch if you were still in the store. Yeah. I uh, probably never watch it. And I'm you not, shouldn't. I also, uh, as much as I'm sure Legion is great, I feel about Legion the same way I feel about DC properties is like, well, Marvel's got it back now, so I'll just wait until somebody makes a good movie. Well, the thing about, you know? Le thing about Legion is Legion's really good and doesn't fit in with anything. So it's not, it's not like Dark Phoenix right. where it's like, all it's right, you're going to wrap the up the third thing. movie of No, Legion's, Legion's amazing because it's, no it's Noah Hawley who created the TV version of Fargo. Oh, right, and which people were a big fan of. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I saw the first season, I'm like, how is it that somebody else was able to do the Coen Brothers and do it every week? Because it felt like the Coen Brothers. And then when he started Legion, uh, the the guy is just a, he's like a perfect director tribute band, although he's really brilliant on his own. And this is from somebody who was in a tribute band for three and a half years. Uh, <laughs> but Legion is this fusion of like Stanley Kubrick and with a little bit of like Wes Anderson in there. Yeah. But it's really surreal because by having David Haller be the main character and not just this crazy character everybody has to worry about, the whole thing's surreal and you can't tell what's real and what's not. It's got a great cast, like Jermaine Clement is in it, Norbury Plaza's in it, um, Gene Smart. Uh, it's got some, it, but it's very trippy. Yeah. It's like, it's dark and it's trippy. So it's just like, you got to wrap your head around each one. So it took me a long time to get through, and they announced that uh, the third season is coming soon. And they said, what I love about the announcement, they said, well, and we always envisioned this show as a three-season arc. And I'm like, maybe, 
But, but he, we also envisioned Fox getting bought by Disney. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no way you were going to continue to make this. There's as much chance of Allegiant se- Season 4 as there was of Spectacular Spider-Man Season 3. Yeah, the, we're, we're, it's not going to happen. It's like, uh, wrap, wrap it up, people. Yeah, but it is it is really, really good. Like, I, I'm... I would, I'm so happy that I spent uh, 10 episodes watching Legion than trying to get back into The Flash. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I don't have time for diminishing returns. This thing, this thing is, a, a, it's so intense though. Yeah. That I have to go away and come back and go away and come back. And now, so I finished that and I finished Gotham and I'm like, oh wait, what am I watching? I watched the new season of Arrested Development, which wasn't great. Oh, right. There's a whole new season of that. Yeah, there's like eight more episodes in it. Uh, just give it up. Well, know? it feels like I don't like to give things up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the creator should give it up, so then you don't no. have to. <laughs> yeah, but it did. it's funny because this is still technically season five, but it's been like 16 years since it started, and it feels like I'm watching season 16 of this show. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, we've been out of gas for a while. That's what I'm saying. It's like, just wrap it up, guys. Yeah, you know? I think this one does. I don't think there are any plans because it's been so hard to get them all to uh, get their scheduling together to do it anyway, because right. they're all busy. But, uh, yeah, this is about it. Yeah. Well, that's a good, uh, you know, some things need to end. And I feel like uh, just because there is interest in bringing something back, it's like doesn't mean you should. You know, it's well, like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. <laughs> you know, I, it's I, like- I, was trying to, I was trying to think of what show came back after more than a decade of being off the air and was as good as when it left. The only thing I can think of are the Star Trek movies. Because I was like, yeah, Wrath of Khan is like 15 years after the original series was on. And because Wrath of Khan was so good, we got the rest of Star Trek. Sure. Like we got The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and 10 more movies. Uh, But I can't think of it. Like when the X-Files came back, I was super excited. And I was like, all right, there were three episodes that were worth coming back for. Yeah. Doctor Who was good, but Doctor Who was a reboot. It wasn't... Yeah, Doctor Who... But Doctor Who's kind like of a, a sequel, kind a of a reboot. a soft reboot. Yeah. Uh, but it's... So it's more like, was this Batman show better than this Batman show? Yeah, I think it's like... It's just like comics. Oh! You, what? That reminds me, speaking of this Batman show, um, we were talking about how there's nothing major on Batman on the horizon, so it's just, hey, here's an anniversary issue, that's all we get. Because mm-hmm. we don't have a movie... Um, we don't have an animated series. There was that Justice League action, which got buried by Cartoon Network. It's on Hulu now, and it's pretty good. But that's not happening. There's no Batman. There's not really a Batman thing happening. Although Epics did show a trailer for a Gotham prequel. Wait, in real life? Yeah, a lot. They're they're doing a ten episode live action prequel to Gotham, the hate the show you hate watch. Yep. Which I thought was going to be a separate show because they're greenlighting everything under the freaking sun. You know, they've got Krypton and there's supposed to be like a Dick Grayson show happening. But they're doing a show called Pennyworth. Oh, my God. And it's like a 25-year-old Alfred being a spy in London. Oh, my God. And I was like, all right, this is another thing like (laughs) Titans, like Titans or like Doom Patrol, like Swamp Thing. But but it's the same creators as Gotham. So I was like, oh, this is your same Alfred. So even after five years of fucking Gotham, you found a way to make more Gotham. I think we talk a lot about on the show this like worry that like oversaturating the market with uh, comic book stuff will kill the market for comic book stuff. And I feel like DC with these shows is doing everything in their power to make it happen. It's like they can't figure out movies, so they're just like, bury the market with bad properties. Yeah. It's literally a joke in Teen Titans Go to the Movies that they would give Alfred a movie. Right. And instead they gave him a 10-episode commitment. Oh, my God. But what that, are they thinking? They're not. They're just they're just throwing everything at the wall, and every now and then they get a Wonder Woman, or Aquaman made a lot of money, so Aquaman no, was yeah, a hit. Yeah, but it's like the, the shows, it's like, wh- why? how are we so far down the bench already that we're that we- making an Alfred <laughs> show? Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, everyone says a Doom Patrol, it's really good, okay? So I haven't seen it, I'm not going to comment on it. I haven't seen it either. It's supposed to be great, go see it if you like I saw, it, I signed up for a year of the app, and I have yet to watch anything on it. Because there's too much. But- I, watched, I watched a bunch of Batman the Animated Series to see if the remastered episodes look better they did look better they were on sale on itunes i fucking bought them but that's the thing it's you want to make doom patrol show go for it swamp thing sure he already had a show or movies or whatever it's great do it i was again. a big fan of constantine that was five years ago constantine now he's on Same legends thing. of tomorrow i can't start watching legends of tomorrow
tomorrow. But then it's like, here's an Alfred show. Here's a Krypton show. It's like, we, we, it's just, to me, it's like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? It sounded like Louis Black uh, for a second. It's so frustrating. There's a show about Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's maddening because it's like there are other characters. Even the Titan show, it looks stupid. People have said it's good. Other people have said it's bad. Um, at least it's like a, a an established thing you're doing. It's just it, it maddening to me that they're going back. It's like and we're having a, an origin of Alfred. It's like yeah, <laughs> why? crazy. Why? Well, what, what what's uh, amazing about DC is that DC after Nolan had the they had to go dark, but then the only hits they had were really light. You know, because I think we're gonna see DC get a lot lighter. Because they had Lego Batman, which I watched again last night, and it holds up really well. In fact, I found if you're very tired and watch Lego Batman, which I was, where you're just laying down on the couch staring at it, there are Easter eggs all over that thing. Like, every frame has some joke that I didn't see before. Yeah. Uh, that was a huge hit. Teen Titans Go to the Movies wasn't a huge hit, but the show is really big. And uh, Shazam is very light. Uh, we'll talk about it next week, but it's very light. Aquaman was big and dumb and fun. It wasn't dark. Yeah, well, I think we saw it. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, changed things and kind of woke up DC up because Suicide Squad was a step in the right direction. I know it was a mess. I know people hated it, but it's like it was colorful and it was more it funny. It made money. It made money. I mean, they're making a sequel because it made money. Right. James Gunn is doing it, but... So that was the first step. Wonder Woman was a huge step forward. Aquaman was another step forward, and it sounds like Shazam's another big step forward. Yeah, we'll it's see like, if it makes money. They're, they're finally... Uh, they couldn't steer the ship their way to the Zack Snyder train wreck. Right. So it's like they're going to pull back from that, which is the right call. Well, that's you know, funny thing. They I only got, had to waste millions of dollars to figure it out. I got pulled into a, a Zack Snyder cut of Justice League argument on Twitter as much as I didn't want to do it. Yeah. But I was talking to somebody and then somebody else said something about the Zack Snyder cut and I answered them and all of a sudden I had like 17 at messages. Yeah. But... Uh, my thought about uh, people that are like, they need to release the Zack Snyder cut of of Justice League. I'm like, really? No, what they need to release is the Lord and Miller cut of Solo. Because there's another movie that didn't get finished yeah. that you want to see. The other thing is, is did you guys like Batman versus Superman that much that you want a sequel to it? Because that's what he made. That's what he made, and then DC went, get the guy who made Avengers to make it more of a Marvel movie. And it never got to either place. Yeah. But, like, instead of it being half a Marvel movie, you want it all to be the sequel to Batman vs. Superman? Still one of the worst movies I've ever seen. There's a strange cult of personality around Zack Snyder. And we've said it before, and I'll say it, I will die on this hill. It's the same people that love Trump. It is the same <laughs> group of idiots who think is Trump it? is killing it, think Zack Snyder is a genius okay it's the same people i promise you <laughs> i i feel like we've described the same person five times on this episode and it's the guy that says it's awesome because it's awesome yes it's awesome because it's awesome yeah and that being said i want the lord miller cut of solo i want it if it's not finished because i think it was really funny yeah i uh i don't care they wrote I, they wrote into the spider-verse that movie was the, one, movie the best was movie great. of the year i i'm like what if more of that was in solo I think it, it might have just been more of a mess because Solo was kind of a mess. But it's it's like people... Yeah, you can tell Solo was a mess and Ron Howard pulled it together. So you went, okay, that was the story. And you walked away feeling nothing. Right. But... Uh, I think anyone watching Batman vs. Superman and being like, we need a sequel to this. We Just League, uh, you know, Joss Whedon ruined it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I need more of Superman murdering people. It's like... It's like, do you know that the parts of that movie that really sucked? It would have been more of that. Yeah. <laughs> and less of the stuff that didn't suck so bad. Well, who watches Batman vs. Superman? It's like, you know what make this movie better? Aquaman and the Flash. <laughs> Aquaman riding the Batmobile with a giant spear. <laughs> I kind of need to watch that movie again. It's been a while. Uh, it's not even good bad. It's not even no. like Tim Burton Batman Returns where it's like insane, but it's enjoyable and I will fight insanity. you if you say Batman Returns is bad. Batman it's, Returns is nuts. It's nuts. If, you can't you can't tell me Batman Returns is bad and Aquaman is good. You cannot do that. No, I'm saying it's This a, show will be two and a half hours long if you say that to it's, me. It's 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 a it's a special kind of insanity that works. Yeah. That is not the case with any of those Joss or uh, Zack Snyder or no. whatever he did for DC. It's like 
like I'd rather watch Suicide Squad than watch either Zack Snyder's Batman movies. Yeah, Suicide Squad is one of those where I thought it was fine in the theater, and then I tried to watch it a second time, and it, it became very, very hard to do. Yeah, I, I watched it in theaters, and I liked it, and I never went back to it. Well, here's so. a question. If uh, uh, you want to let us know, what alternate cut do you want to see of a of a movie? That do doesn't you, exist. That doesn't exist. Uh, for example, Steven Spielberg at one point was talking about directing Return of the Jedi. Do you want to see it? Because it don't exist. Right. <laughs> I want to see a fourth Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Shut up! <laughs> do you want Tim Burton's Kevin Smith Superman movie? Yeah. With Nicolas Cage? You know, that doesn't exist. Let us know. What what unmade movie do you most want to see? James Cameron's Spider-Man. Yeah. Do you want to see that? And you know what the problem is? There's already too many movies out to see, and people <laughs> want to see fake movies that don't exist. Well, they want to see the movie they already saw. Right. Remade by the guy that got fired from the first movie. Well, let us know. You can uh, talk to me at Not In My Book, both on Instagram and on Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics feed. You can uh, follow our Facebook page, uh post a direct story or comment on one of ours and let us know uh, what you'd like to see. Um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, what was that? Darren Aronofsky's Wolverine. There's another movie. Never got made. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you want to see that. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's Batman Year One. Darren Aronofsky has a lot of superhero movies that he didn't Remember make. Remember when the guy who played the Lone Ranger was going to be Batman? Does oh, in Justice see League. that movie? It was in ju- the Justice League that got canceled by the uh, the George Miller Justice League. Yeah. The guy who made Mad Max was going to make the Justice League, <laughs> and then the writer's strike canceled that. Uh. Do you want to see that? Let us know what you want to see. <laughs> Do you want to see the sequel to Josh Trank's Fantastic Four? <laughs> yeah. I bet that was in the works. <laughs> What about Do the you Doctor Two the- movie that's never going to happen? The Silver Surfer spinoff movie that yeah. was planned. <laughs> There's so many movies that haven't happened that you want to see. How about you know what I want to see? The Spider-Man Four Sam Raimi made with uh, John John Malkovich as the Vulture. Yes, yeah, I want to see that as as much as that would have ruined Michael Keaton as the Vulture. Yeah, let me let me see these movies that don't exist. Yeah, Uh, that's how you can follow us. Go to our. Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics. Uh, Let us know. I think I want to start a poll on this. This could be a whole episode. Although next week we are going to talk about Shazam, so it will not be next week. Yeah, I guess I got to see that movie. Steven, how can we follow you? You can find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan, and I'll welcome all haters to scream at me. I'll bring it on. And the show? And the show you can follow on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. We will talk to you next week.